Hi. Um, in the morning, I had a vision, and the Lord took me to heaven. I saw a book, a golden book, and the book opened up, and the pages were flipping real fast. And after that, I saw um, drums, but nobody was playing the drums. They were playing themselves. And after that, I saw a river, and the river opened up in the middle. And then when I went through, I saw like millions and millions of angels. And after that, um, one of the angels took me by the hand. And I got a picture of the world, the map. And we went down to South America. And then we shooted up and we went up to Africa. I saw the plains of Africa. I saw the acacia trees. Um, and later last night, uh, when we had our session, um, I went up to heaven again, and I saw um, the, the sea of glass. I saw the sea of glass, and I, and I saw God the Father, and I saw Jesus, and I was standing next to Jesus, and the Father handed him a scroll, and I said, Jesus, what is that scroll? But he didn't answer me. So then Jesus and I got in this little boat, and we started going, and I'm like, where are we going? And Jesus says, we're going to hear the nations. He says, because each nation has a sound. And, it, and then we looked, I looked in, on the banks, and I saw angels, but these angels were different. Some looked like rainbows, some had um, like orange color. And I said, why are these angels different? He says, because each nation has an angel, and each angel is different, and it's according to the nation. And after that, um, we kept going, and then I saw like a, like a curtain just come down, and the curtain was on fire. It was, it was covered with fire, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is that, Jesus? And he says... It's my fire on the nations. He says, some of the nations are on fire for me. And I said, where are we going then? He says, we're going to the nations that haven't heard my sound and are not on fire for me. So we're going, we're going, we're going. Who wants to go with Jesus? Amen. So, so we do ask even for this session that that you would tune us into tune us into your sounds, Jesus, into into the uh, the vibrations of heaven that bring transformation in our own hearts and then goes out and transforms by shaking vibrating our our families our communities our state our states our countries and the whole world we ask that you do all you want to do in this session rule and reign this afternoon here and we welcome the angels that you have sent to participate with us in what you want to do on the earth We ask that you will open our eyes and open our hearts, open our spirits to live in the dimensions of heaven.
that more of heaven would be manifested in this reality. There's one vibration that we, we need to be free of right now, and that's the vibrations that come from one of these. <laughs> these frequencies are interfering with the sound frequencies, so would you please uh, turn off your cell phone if you have it on. Uh, yeah, prefer preferably turn it off. Yeah, we understand for some of you, you are on emergency call and that's okay, but if you're not absolutely needing to have the phone on for, um, for something you're involved in, it will make the, this, the wireless microphones work better. You, know, you notice, you, if you are here before, you may have noticed some of those pops and things like that. That was part of that was, uh, was the, the additional interference of other frequencies. Uh, also, just to remind you, only water is allowed in, this, in the sanctuary. We want to honor the, the rules of the house. So if you want to eat something else, please do it out, out there. Is there someone who has, a, been, has been healed or had something amazing happen? I think it'd be nice to hear at least one or two encouraging um, testimonies about in the conference. Anyone who's been miraculously healed or, or, or transformed in some way? Anyone like to share that? Give glory to the one who healed you. Don't be shy. Okay. Well, I'm sure there'll be more this afternoon. So, who who would like to speak first? Okay. I, would you welcome with me Bill Dew? Seems like the uh, conference people are just dragging in. Um, yeah, drag them in. It's um, it's almost comical to me. Um, Bill Johnson and the group have done such a good job of talking about honoring speakers, and, and so um, w when they come up, you know, and then people stand like you just did, they act embarrassed and they tell everybody to sit down. So. They want on it, but but no. Um, I I don't have food in my mouth. It's it's a um, okay. I just want you, I just want you to know because we he called me up. Well, we called us up. All three of us have it. Um, it's energy, uh, and it's nutritional for our indigestion. Yeah. No, really. 
but I came up sooner than I anticipated. While I'm on that subject, how does Jen Johnson sing the song she sings, Chewing Gum? I don't, I don't get that. But I digress. Um, we, we, um, what we want to do in this next um, uh, little bit, uh, probably ending by about four, because you guys need to set up and everything. So four, about four is about four, four-ish. Four um, we want to tell a couple of stories just to um, encourage you some more, um, and primarily because I, I haven't gotten to talk enough. Um, and um, then we're going to have a, a uh, Gary's going to show a video, which uh, I'm really eager to see based on what he's been telling me. And we're going to have a question and answer period. So if you would be thinking of your questions based on things that have happened in the conference or things that you'd like to know about or whatever. We would ask that you put it in the form of a short, direct, to the point question, not a teaching, not a long explanation. Exactly. <laughs> that kind of like amen. Um, I actually got to thinking about this, um, so I'm just going to kind of, I, I want to tell a story, but I have to kind of get there, and, and there's a point to all this. Um, I kind of got to thinking about this earlier today as we were going to be speaking with the uh, pastors and leaders, uh, you know, this morning. Um, there was a period from uh, uh, 2004 to six where we went to Brazil uh, four times for 30 days or longer. We were training uh, Brazilian churches to uh, have them start to move in supernatural signs and wonders, primarily for healing, um, so that they could then join the prayer ministry team that Randy Clark would bring down. So, he, so you know, maybe he'd bring 60 or 100 people, and then we would do a, uh, the crusade, the big, you know, in the gymnasium, uh, 12 or 15,000 people, and the Brazilians that we had trained would join us. Well, as we're training, now we do this like in eight churches over a 30-day period, and we, we teach the same thing three days. Then we go to the next church, do the exact same thing, teaching and training, so everybody's on the same page. And one of the things we did is we would put them into groups. They would pray for one another, and um, we would take testimonies and stuff like that. And then we would finish with ministry where they get to do it again. And Carol and I would call for anyone who was blind, deaf, or terminally ill to come up, and we would pray for them while everybody else was praying. And then we would check in and see how everybody was doing. And we, we just saw, in, in that period, we just saw all kinds of blind people receive their sight. All kinds of deaf people receive their hearing. And we saw just miracles from people dying of cancer, things like that. And, and then we would bring it back to the United States. So we, there was just that period where we just did it a lot. I think that's really a key. If, if there's something passionate in your heart, go after it. And keep going after it. And don't quit. You know, there was a, a period of time um, in our lives when, when uh, maybe over a, a two-year period, where um, we were called upon to pray for seven terminally ill people. Um, some were friends, some we didn't know at all. They just, they knew that we had a healing uh, uh, ministry, and they asked us to pray for them. 
uh, because the doctors had given up, they were going to die. Well, I have to tell you that all seven people uh, died. Not because we prayed for them, okay? <laughs> but when we got to the eighth person, you know, it's kind of like, ah, oh, dude, you know, my track record doesn't look good. I'm probably the last person. But um, at least in, in this particular case, we weren't praying for someone who was dying. The person was dead. It was a baby in the womb. And the, and the, the, the woman had had a miscarriage before and now was pregnant again and experiencing and feeling everything that she had experienced before and just was totally distraught um, knowing that the baby was dead in the womb. No movement, no heartbeat, nothing. And we prayed for the baby, and the next day the lady went for her regular uh, checkup. Sonogram, sonogram was healthy. Baby was healthy. She was my loan officer. We were buying a house, and I got to interact with her for the next six months, and then she sent us a picture of her healthy baby after the baby was born. How easy would it have been to have quit and said, well, you, maybe we just don't have that anointing. But we kept on persevering, and, and God has actually done that with us um, several times. Um, let me just get to this one thing. We tell the story about, about the medal. Um, for those of you who weren't here this morning, you know, I got encouraged because I heard Randy Clark talking about it in January of this year because he had been talking with Bill Johnson uh, September a year ago and, and Bill Johnson was saying, we're starting to see breakthrough in that people who have metal in their body, who have a lot of pain or limited mobility, we're seeing that healed. And then I talked to Bill Johnson later and found out that he got it from James Maloney. It was the testimony that was passing by. I think that's probably been the greatest thing in our ministry in the last seven years. Now, I recognize that early on we talked about the power of the testimony, but it didn't have the same impact on me that it had starting maybe six, seven years ago. And we find that when we tell the, st the testimonies, when we remember, when we tell the stories every chance we get, we find that things happen. That's why it is so important. And I know it's really on this church and what they're, for those of you who are not from Blazing Fire, what they're modeling for you is that exact thing. Tell the stories whether it's miraculous healings or deliverance or salvation or somebody gets a job or their marriage gets saved, whatever, whatever God is doing, we want to testify. Because if you understand the principle, he's no respecter of persons. If you're in that situation, you can grab a hold of that testimony. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. So I told you the story of Casper, Wyoming, with the guy with the plates in his back, and he gets totally healed. And you saw the, the video. So the next month we go to um, Brazil, and I told that story. So needless to say, the first person who comes to me when we go into ministry time is someone who has metal rods up and down their back. He's, he's actually an associate pastor at a Baptist church. And um, he comes up and he, and he tells me, you know, he's had this problem for years. He's got these metal rods. He has no mobility whatsoever. He said, I cannot bend backwards at all. And if I move this much forward, I'm in excruciating pain. Oh, come on. I mean, in other words, you're in pain all the time. And he said, yeah, pretty much. So we began praying for him. And, and I'm just kind of, as I'm praying, just once again telling the story. A lot of times when I pray, I will, I will just say, and Lord, I remember when you healed Gary in Casper, Wyoming, had those metal plates in his back. I, mean, I do it to raise my faith. 
and to raise the faith of the person that I'm praying for. So I'm just kind of telling the stories along the way, and I hear the Lord say, just like uh, Elisha um, told Naaman to dip seven times, dip him seven times, meaning get him whacked seven times. So he goes down in the power of the Spirit, So we, and I, I'm, we're being really ginger with him. Uh, two catchers behind him to make sure that he didn't hurt himself, and, and we got him up very slowly. And you know, I, I said, so how are you doing? He said, good. I said, this is new for you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we did it again. Just whap. So after about the fourth time, I said, so is, is anything happening? He said, I don't know. But I just, I feel light, and there's tingling all over, and I feel woozy. I said, yeah, I can see that. You're drunk, as, as I suppose. <laughs> so I, I said, well, don't hurt yourself, but I want you to try to move. So he starts doing like this, and you could see the look on his face like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And he goes down to about here. And um, so we dip him a couple more times. And then we ask, how are you doing? And he goes, I feel pretty good. I can't do that. <laughs> and then he goes down, and he said, I can't quite touch the floor. I, it must be because of my age. And I said, well, how old are you? He said, I'm 52. 52, I'm 65, I can touch the floor, come on. So I challenged him and he did it. He just got whacked and for the next three days, we had him give his testimony every chance we could. Well, one of the guys who weren't with us, a lot of times we'll take teams and, and many times they go to someplace like Brazil or Colombia uh, with us or Gary and Kathy Oates because they've heard about the stories and they want to see what God is doing in those places and many times they want to get the anointing and bring it back here. I know that was the purpose of me going originally to, to those kinds of places. Um, I just wanted to see what God was doing because I kept hearing these stories. For me, it was Korea, and I just kept hearing those stories, so that's where I wanted to go. Well, we, we take people, sometimes they're not used to this. Sometimes there are people who have rarely ever prayed for anybody and never seen any healing of any major kind. Well, this one guy is on our ministry team. I think he's hardly prayed for anybody, and he hadn't seen anything happen. I mean, nothing. So he says, well, now, wait a minute. If, if Bill Johnson and Randy Clark and Bill Dew can pray for people with metal in their bodies, and it happens right here, then I can pray for it. So I'm claiming that. God, send me somebody with metal in their body. You know, and he's saying this to himself, okay? Of course, the very first person who comes to him during ministry time has metal up and down their spine, Limited mobility, lots of pain. He prayed they were totally healed. There is an anointing that can be grabbed a hold of, and that's what's going to happen this, this afternoon. There will be many of you who, uh, whose eyes will be opened, many of you who will catch an anointing. If you've got an anointing for healing, it's going to rise. If you've never really prayed for the sick, you're going to have a passion and desire. My challenge to you is the same as it was for that gal in Copenhagen. Take the challenge. Find a hundred people to pray for. And if they don't get healed, then find another hundred. I guarantee you, if you'll pray for enough people, somebody will get healed and you'll get hooked. Amen? Yeah, Gary? Okay, I want to show just a quick video. Um, this was in Melbourne, Australia when we were ministering there. It was a morning meeting, and it was uh, 
mostly uh, training for praying for people for healing, but something very unusual happened. So I want you to see this. Um, you ready? Turn the, uh, turn the volume on me where everybody can hear it well, because sometimes it's a little garbled, but I think you'll be able to hear everything. And you'll now, the, the lady that you see here is not the focal point. The camera's going to back up in just a second, and to the left you're going to see a lady over to the side doing crunches like that. Okay, she's the one. Keep an eye on her. And I keep trying every day, and I said, Lord, I trust in you. And I knew today was my day for healing. I 
see her life will never be the same. She just had a major encounter with God. And there's a reason for that. You see, God is God is giving her more authority in her own spirit. Because he can trust her with it. And that's why he opened her eyes to see like that. And you're going to see a lot more. It's just the beginning. God will show you what to do with it, too. God will show you how to handle it. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in our lives, Lord. God is filled up with more of you, Lord, more of your presence. Uh, that's that's pretty typical the way everybody receives spiritual sight. <laughs> uh, now, well, I want to I'm going to tell you the background of that. The pastor came up to me afterwards. The, the, like I said, this was a healing meeting. I didn't talk about angels at all. There was no mention of it at all. The pastor came up to me after the meeting and he said he said you're not going to believe that girl. He said we haven't seen her for months. He said she uh, showed up out of the clear blue sky, and um, we were shocked when she walked in the door. He said, my son used to date her, and my son stopped dating her months ago because she was not spiritually minded. <laughs> so you never know, do you? But I thought that would be just a little source of encouragement uh, for you, because uh, that's really an amazing live deal of somebody that really got zapped by the presence of God. And she didn't know anything about anything, and God did it. So if it can happen to, to her, it can happen to you. So there's my daughter, Trina. Trina, wave. That's my daughter. Wave real big. <coughs> uh, she lives in San Francisco. She just came over for this afternoon and tonight. So, um, Okay. Uh, we're going to uh, do some Q&A, right? Yeah. So do we have another mic? We can uh, run around and get some questions. So you all think of your questions. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There's just a lot of stupid answers. And if we don't know uh, the answer, then we're going to let Brent answer it. Questions? Can we get this mic turned on, please? <laughs> okay. Uh, earlier we were talking about seeking the Lord for his presence, and uh, I've cried out for those angel visitations and things like that. Does it come by asking him for those or does it come by seeking the Lord and then it comes seeking the Lord and then it comes amen yeah because you know I said this morning you know we get the cart before the horse we're so busy seeking God for the anointing more power you know more uh, angelic visitations and honors you know going to heaven that sort of thing and and we're seeking the wrong thing but when we when we commit ourselves to seek the face of God um, you know, in, um, in Psalm 27, I think it's around verse 8, uh, you know, David said, God, when you said, seek my <coughs> face, my heart said to you, your face, O God, I shall seek. Mm -hmm. And God has given you a heart to know him, and your heart 
is crying out to seek the face of God. We're too busy seeking his hand. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, do this. God, do that. God, if I just had more of this, then I'll do that. Or God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. All this bargaining and all this kind of stuff. No, we just want to seek his face for who he is, have an encounter with him. The byproduct of that is the angelic visitations, the spiritual sight, hearing his voice more clearly, a stronger anointing, more of the power of God's release because he can trust you with more of him the more intimate you become uh, with him. girl that was on the tape, she was just, just walked in. <laughs> yeah. You know, and basically God just said, you know, came and visited her in that way. Right. And uh, we hear about that, you know, like I see a lot of videos of it on YouTube or whatever, you know, wherever you want to look, but you see how people sometimes just have these encounters. Right. And then, it's, then it just changes them. It changes them from like one, just like Saul, you know, how he had an encounter with God and it changed him in a right. moment of time. Right. You know, so sometimes I wonder, you know. Well, you know, we all have experiences <laughs> with the Lord, but the experiences with the Lord, you know, to whatever level it is, uh, that's not a cure-all. And it doesn't mean that anything's going to happen past that. We've got to learn to walk it out and be consistent in our relationship with the Lord in order to see the fruit of that, because an encounter of itself means nothing. Hi, have you seen any precedent for praying for a family member to set them free from alcoholism and depression? Um, you can't put God in a box. And saying that, I would say that people have to take responsibility themselves for real freedom to happen in their lives. I've seen people get set free in um, demonic encounters, but they weren't, they didn't stay free because they never took responsibility for why they were oppressed to begin with. Um, you can pray for God to be moving in people's lives. Um, for revelation of his love to come to them that, you know, it says his kindness leads to repentance, the changing of our minds, the changing of our ways. You, and I'm not going to go into this at all, but you can learn about blessing their spirit, which is extremely powerful in bringing transformation in people's lives. Oh, okay, Bill says that's in my CD out there on strengthening your spirit. But basically, people have to take responsibility themselves for the way that they have given authority away to the enemy if they want to get free and stay free. So, I mean, we, we can actually fall in the trap of wanting someone's freedom more than they want it, and that's called codependence, and that's not good, so... We've been having some experiences with releasing and activating angels and wanted to, wanted to hear some comments, thoughts, whatever from your side on that. Uh, well, can you be a little more specific? Well, um, recently, this last oh, week ago, released some angels to uh, bind spirits and, and turn some things around, and things happened so fast that it blew our minds. And, 
so unexpectedly where things were turned around and going the other way, I mean, dramatically so, just beyond anybody's expectation almost, and, and going, wow, this, this really works, but we're just like, because, you know, we have authority over angels, but how does that work, and how do we exercise that authority? Yeah. So we've been working well, in the that. Well, the main, uh, basically what I can say is, is um, you know, typically I don't, I don't command an angel to do anything or even ask an angel to do something. I ask the Father to release the angel to do it. Psalm 103 says that angels do what God says. They obey him. They do his word. They, they do what he says. And so I, I, I'll ask the Lord to release healing angels or warrior angels or, you know, whatever, whatever needs done. And then, it, you know, it's up to him as to what extent or to what level. Um, and and th there's a... Uh, but I don't want to say that it's that way every time because, and I have to use caution here because, you know, a lot of people, you know, are commanding angels to go get them a new BMW or something and, uh, you know, just all kinds of crazy. It, it can really get way out there. Um, but um, there, there is a time under the unction of the Spirit that you are so connected with the Lord that there is for a moment in time that authority that comes that you are right there and it just automatically happens and it's God. And it sounds like that's what, that's what happened then. Um, <coughs> but um, okay, go ahead, ask it again. Is it on now? This was to help a child and I believe that um, my husband and I have a lot to learn and so Papa was really gracious yeah. um, because we don't always intercede in the right way or say the right things. Right. But he was gracious to help this child and perhaps to help this child see him in a, in a greater capacity of how much he loves her. But we did ask that an angelic presence be released to help her. And it was... It was really phenomenal what happened. Yeah, and God did it, exactly, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you can't put any of this stuff in a box, basically. You just have to be really sensitive to the Spirit of God. Uh, Hebrews 1.14, angels are ministering spirits sent to render service for the heirs of salvation. Uh, they co-labor with us as we're doing the works of the Lord. And so they are available, that's what they do. We're not alone. Um, I mean, you know, uh, the thought that came to mind was a guy named Alan Ryder, who's a, a pastor up in um, Alaska, out in, um, is it Homer, Alaska, or somewhere? And you may have read about, it was on the Elijah list, it's been a couple of years ago, uh, he was out in a fishing boat, uh, out in the ocean, he was a commercial fisherman, but he could go out by himself, but he pastored also, and this big storm came up, it was like... Uh, you know, these huge waves, it was below zero wind chill, the water was really cold, the boat went over, he got out into a little bitty raft, um, and uh, there's a, some kind of an emergency thing on the boat, that when the boat goes down, that as it gets a certain level, it sends out a signal, so the Coast Guard will pick it up. Well, the boat stayed on its side for a long time, and it, it took forever before the thing went under. And so he was out there, uh, against all odds for hours and it went into the night and so then he was he was just kind of replaying his life and at one point he found himself 
you know, making plans, well, there's insurance and, there's, and all this stuff and the kids and what's going to happen and all this. And then he thought, wait a minute. And then he started taking authority over everything that was happening. And the Spirit of God came on him and a boldness came on him. And he just said, in the name of Jesus, I release you angels to go and set off that beacon and to get the Coast Guard and to let my wife know and all this stuff. And instantaneous to him saying that, the boat went under, the signal went off, the Coast Guard picked it up. They called his wife, who was in a prayer meeting with intercessors. They were instantly activated. A, a, a plane was sent immediately, but he had drifted several miles from where the boat was in this raft. And uh, so they alerted everybody in the area. There was a, uh, there was a, a big uh, freight boat coming through, coming right and picked up the signal, saw the guy, picked him up. He, w he, he didn't have any hypothermia, nothing. He went in, just got cleaned up, walked right out, sat down and talked, totally normal. And they said, they said that it was impossible for him to survive what he went through. But there was an unction of the Spirit, and God did that. See, that was under a special anointing of the Spirit of God. Yes. Oh, wait, wait, wait just a second for the... Uh, I'm not sure that I understand the Scripture, but I think somewhere in the New Testament it talks about that we will judge angels. So does that mean that every angelic um, presence that we can take as being from God? Um, no. <laughs> See, well, you know, they're fallen angels. Those are demons. Um, there was one lady, and, and we have a video of this. She was in a, a session where she was going through uh, uh, healing and her healing, and, and, and there was dialogue going back and forth between the person that was ministering to her. And um, she kept referring, and, and this lady was in ministry, she was in deliverance ministry, and she kept referring to her angel that would manifest when she was ministering to somebody in deliverance. And so uh, this counselor that was talking with her said, well, do you see your angel now? And she said, yes. And, she, and, and, and he said, well, what does your angel look like? She said, well, I don't know. He's looking the other way. And he said, well, well tell the angel to turn around. And so she, she told the angel to turn around. And the look on her face, she went, <gasps> and she just started screaming and crying. And she says, oh, my God, it's a demon. And the whole time she was totally deceived. See, you know, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He's not an angel of light, okay? He disguises himself. People say, well, you know, Satan is an angel of light. No, he disguises himself as an angel of light. He's not. But he, a lot of people can be faked out. That's why we talked about yesterday about the importance of the discerning of spirits last night. When the discerning of spirits are operating, we know instantly that's God, that's not. That's, and that's God's angels, that's a demon, okay? There's so much junk going on in the world today and even in the churches that the discerning of spirits is critical to discern what's God and what's not of God. So, um, I mean, you can entertain an evil spirit thinking that it's the spirit of God. 
Actually, you know, you can, um, you can come up with whatever you want to and say that you've heard from God or God confirmed it to you or whatever. You can make up, you can come up with whatever you want to. It's not God. It's, uh, you know, just a spirit of deception uh, that can come. So it's really important to stay attuned to the spirit. So you know how last night you got us, or you led a bunch of us to, um, or everyone to repent of not wanting to see demons, like when you're a kid. Like honestly, I was not ashamed to not repent for that. And like, um, but this, so so like, I, I guess my question is like, why would you really want so much of this gift if? You could actually have a relationship with God without it because, um, like, if you're constantly living in this crazy spiritual realm, like, sometimes you're not even sane. You know, like, me and my friend went to Southern California and we stayed at a house that had, like, occult activity and we couldn't sleep for two weeks. I mean, you could hear footsteps, you could see demons and all this stuff. And my friend actually has the gift of deliverance. And so, um, you know, she had, you know that thing with your nose? Like she could smell all the foulness so badly that, you know, it was noxious to her. And, you know, every moment of the night she was waking me up to pray and like, um, and I would see things too, but I kept thanking God that I prayed to him that I wouldn't see so much because then I actually got some rest and could kind of, you know, be a little more normal. And I guess the way I was brought up, like my sister would see angels and demons 24-7. And, you know, it was just overwhelming. And she would actually like stand in front of the mirror and just ask herself like she'd have to remind herself you know i am so and so i am 16 years old i am a normal person you know i'd hear her doing this kind of stuff because it was just so much hyperactivity supernatural activity yeah, yeah could you comment Um, well, I think it's important to see what's happening in the spirit realm. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And the Father is doing stuff right here on the earth, and it's important that we be able to see what he's doing to cooperate with that. As we cooperate with what God is doing here, that brings heaven to earth. Uh, I said this morning, you know, I, it, I was, for years, I was always trying to figure out what God's, what's God up to, what's God doing. When, when I begin to realize that I can see in the spirit realm and see what God is doing so that for the purpose of cooperating with it, it changed everything. Um, so it's not something that we have to do. It's something that we get to do. It's something very positive because it helps us to fulfill the call of God in our life. It helps us to walk in the destiny that God has for us. It shows us that we're not alone. And I'll, I'll just quickly give you the story, I, which I shared last night um, from 2 Kings chapter 6 when um, Elisha and his servant were standing there, and Elisha prayed that the servant's eyes be opened. You remember the story? We hear last night? Okay. Well, the difference was the servant was full of fear because he saw the enemy with a, in the natural eye. Elisha saw beyond that in the realm of the spirit, saw the armies of the Lord surrounding the enemy. Okay? 
So Elisha was full of faith. He was full of confidence. It was no sweat. He was cool as a cucumber. The, the uh, servant was full of fear. It's like we're dead. It's all over with. The clear distinction between two people seeing in the same circumstances, seeing it from two different perspectives. One was looking at it from the natural. The other was looking at it from the realm of the spirit. Okay? And so then when he prayed the prayer of impartation that his eyes be opened, God opened his eyes, and he saw exactly what Elisha saw, which brought peace and comfort to him. Yeah, I was just wondering if you're having a relationship with God, uh, a good relationship, why would a demon come in between? I mean, what I'm saying is you may not be able to see demons because your relationship with God is so good. Who are you going to ask that? Over there. Okay. Um... Why would they not be able to be present? Because God is all-powerful and he wouldn't want anybody, anything to come in between the relationship between him and you. But the fact that you can see it doesn't mean it's coming between your relationship with God. If it, it just means you're seeing it. No, I'm not, I haven't seen it. I'm just saying in general, if somebody has a good relationship, isn't God all-powerful to remove all distractions? Yes, and God also chooses to delegate power, and he has delegated power to spirit beings, and he has delegated power to human beings. And for reasons that are beyond my ability to fathom, he, he chooses to involve us in spiritual activities and in earthly activities, that he could take care of them all by himself. But being a God of love, he has created us as beings with free will, with the ability to choose, and to choose for him, and to choose for his kingdom, and to partner with him. And so we have ability, and we have responsibility, and we have accountability. And we're allowed to see things so that we can do things. I've been noticing that as I minister or I come to places like this that I manifest the Holy Spirit and I've been noticing other p I'm wondering why it's increased and what that's doing in the spiritual realm when that happens and I'm also wondering I've noticed some people yell out, and I'm not judging that. I'm wondering, why is that? What is going on in them? Are they being hit by the power of God that they can't? It's, I'm just really fascinated and interested. <laughs> what was that? You know, one of the most helpful things to do is to go to a person, like maybe not right in the middle of it, but afterwards and just ask, so what was going on for you? What was that like? Um, was that voluntary? Was that involuntary? Was that God? Was that not? Uh, what, what do you understand? Because we can see things going on and it might be demonic, it might be angelic, it might be the, or it might be, um, you know, of God or it might be of the flesh and sometimes you can't tell the difference just by looking. 
And so if you aren't getting spiritual discernment on that, then ask the person. And if, if the person, well, typically people will know. This either was good or it wasn't good. If it was the flesh, they don't usually know. They don't usually say, oh, I'm just in the flesh. I just need attention. But <laughs> and that happens. That does happen. <laughs> but if it's demonic, they know it doesn't feel good. And if it's God, they know it feels good. They might not know any more than that about it. And I'll just say for myself, because I am one who tends to manifest when the presence of God gets strong around me, it's an involuntary thing. Um, I can shut it down, but I choose not to because I don't want to miss what God's doing just because I don't want to maybe look stupid in front of somebody. On the other hand, I also am aware sometimes when the Spirit of God's really moving on me, and it would not even be appropriate to just be letting it loose in, in a situation. And I can just kind of keep that reined in. So it, it's, I don't think it's God doing something to us. It's an individual response to the presence of God, that manifest presence of God. Does that help? Yeah, and the person who manifests is not more spiritual than the person who doesn't, and vice versa. It's just, it's really more a matter of how we're wired usually. And people who are more right-brained tend to be the people who might be more demonstrative in their manifestations. The people who are more left-brained, you know, the analytical, logical kind of um, way of functioning in the world are typically less demonstrative in those manifestations. And I think that has a lot to do with the right brain people are the more um, emotional, the left brain people are the more rational, and so there's just more of a, what? <laughs> but, but also, you can't make a hard and fast, you can't make, yeah, the two left brain people here and the one right, per right brain person. But, but interestingly, in the population of the world as a whole, it's about 50-50 right brain, left brain dominance. When you get in a charismatic group, Pentecostal group, it's more like 80% are the right brained ones. So you see a lot of manifestations going on, but if you're more of a left brain person and you're not manifesting, you're probably gonna have one of two of responses. Oh my gosh, those people are really whacked. I gotta get out of here. Or what's wrong with me? Doesn't God love me? Am I just spiritually dead? No. You're just wired differently. And, and we need both. We need, and it's not a matter of your spirituality. That's a matter of your soul, of how God created you, because that, um, that, that brain dominance, that being more rational or more emotional has nothing to do with your spirituality. It has to do with how your soul functions and how you function from your soul in life. But if you're going to be spiritually minded, you're not going to be run by either your emotions or your reason. Just like when the angel came to Mary and said, you know, you're going to have a son, and I know you're not married, but oh well, and he's going to be the son of God, and, and she's thinking, and nobody's going to believe me, and I can be stoned to death. So, you know, if she were to be responding out of her reason, then her response would be, oh my gosh, I don't think so, thanks anyway. Or if she's responding out of her emotions, like, whoa, that feels really scary, I don't think so. But she was, she was operating out of her spirit, and so she was able to say, let it be done to me according to your will. And that's, that's the place we want to live, is being true to who we are as God made us, with our spirit having dominion over our soul and our body.
Left-brainers unite. I have two questions. <laughs> I have two questions. One is, um, do we all have the, right here, the gift of discernment or is that something we can pray for? And my second question is, um, when we feel what, I'm going to say what we think is the Holy Spirit. How can we discern if it is the Holy Spirit or if it's like like a demonic spirit or something like that? Okay, here's my take on it. Um, the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts, right? You have the Holy Spirit, right? You have the gifts. Some will be more strong and operational than others. But I believe that when there's a situation the gifts can be operational. So when there's a need for the discerning of spirits, I think it can kick in, but it might not be your strongest gift. Okay, so that's answering number one. And how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's the enemy? You know, I, I have, um, the, the saying was, uh, I have more confidence in the Lord to bless me than the enemy to deceive me. Um, if it goes against scripture, it's not God. If it... Um, You'll, you'll basically know. I mean, a lot of times that's, uh, when somebody is manifesting uh, because the Holy Spirit has come upon them and they're manifesting in their body and they're writhing on the floor, it can look exactly the same if they're under the power of the Holy Spirit or if they're under the power of a demonic spirit. And the, really the only way you'll know is to go ask them. So I'll just say, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? You're okay. <laughs> that's right. Um, and, and um, a, a lot of times what they'll say, oh, no, no, God's just dealing with my heart. It's all good. It's good. Okay. Or, oh, no, it's all black and I'm in fear and I, I don't like this. Okay, that's the enemy. R literally, it's, it's asking. And, and when you are ministering to someone in the midst of that manifestation, you can go and ask them and find out what's going on. Okay. We see a lot more of demonic manifestation when we go into, like, well, I'll just use, for example, down into South America, because there's been so much involvement in the occult by the people in the church, and so those occult-level spirits are operational in their lives. And when I see somebody manifesting wildly, I'll go over with an interpreter, and my question is, is this good or is this bad? It's just really simple. And... And if it's good, they're able to answer right away. If it's bad, they're not always able to answer because the enemy might, um, you know, just have more authority at that point. And in that case, I'll just say to the person, I want you to look at me. I want you to focus on me. I want you to quiet yourself down. And to the enemy, I'll say, I just command you to be silent now in the name of Jesus. No yelling, no screaming, no histrionics, just knowing who I am as a child of God, that I have that authority, that God backs me up. I command you to be silent in Jesus' name. And you might need to go back and forth on those two for a minute or so until that person gets in control of themselves. And then you begin to find out why does the enemy have authority, and that's when you do deliverance. And having said that, um, let me just add, um, because too often we look at... Um, 
Latin America, India, Africa as very uh, demonized nations. Uh, I've heard it said over and over uh, by noted authorities, uh, and one man in particular that I really trust, that America is one of the most demonized countries in the world. It's just that we call it phobias and depressions and illnesses and sicknesses. Um, I'd like to know uh, what happens, uh, like yesterday I was, uh, Gary Oates was, you know, we were activating the uh, vision, you know, so I got good visions, but then uh, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but then appear before me this being that didn't seem so good, that like an idol or a philosopher or Asian god or something, and uh, and I certainly didn't like it, <laughs> keep rebuking it, and I wanted to know, I know that certain watchmen have that anointing to warn people if they see something. So I wanted to know what to do, you know, and in that case. Well, that was the discerning of spirits. Uh, you know, when we said you can see both angels and demons, you can see manifestations, but what I do, in a case like that, I would ask the Lord, I'd say, God, you know, why are you showing me this? And what do I do with it? Do I take authority over it? Is it, for, uh, is it somebody from a particular country? Uh, is it, uh, you know, like a, a form of astral projection where the enemy's bringing somebody in? You just have to ask the Lord how to deal with it, what to do with it, but God has given you the authority over anything that's not of him. So, in other words, the discerning of spirits was active because you, you knew at one point in the vision that it was all God, and then all of a sudden it switched, and, uh, or later on, or whenever it was, but there was a whole different gut feeling that you had. That is the discerning of spirits. So what happened was I was so busy rebuking it that I, and it wouldn't go away, that I forgot to ask God, you know, what to do. Yeah, but well, just ask the Lord, and he'll show you. You'll, you'll get an impression. You'll get a nudge. You'll, you'll, know, uh, you'll know how to handle it. Um, you know, a lot of times God shows you stuff as, as forewarning, as a forewarning of things that are going to come, and which is not necessarily um, a, a demonic thing. It may come in a, like an evil-looking package uh, to prepare you, or you can take, begin to take authority over it, or when actually it begins to... Uh, you, you begin to engage in some sort of a warfare down the road, you're reminded of that, and hey, God is giving you authority over that. This is what he meant. This was a warning. This is happening, so I take authority over it now in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, we'll just, uh, maybe this one, maybe, maybe one more. Yeah, this one and one more question, and then we'll, uh, we'll do impartation. Okay, Bill. Yesterday, you spoke about the spirit of trauma. Um, I have a son and a son-in-law that were in Iraq and both suffering very badly for post-traumatic stress. And you spoke yesterday of them actually renouncing the spirit of trauma. Are, are they going to recognize that? Or are they renouncing the trauma that actually happened to them? 
you live in this general area? I live in Daly City. Um, is that near you, Bill? It's close enough. Okay, um, do you know Bill Irwin? Okay. That might be a place to, and I'm not trying to dodge anything here, I'm just knowing that you can't just give a generic answer right there, but I know that Bill is very equipped to be able to help out in that situation, and so I, I just would suggest you connect with him. Is that okay? Yeah, uh, I have a question. How do you pray for someone who, um, who um, first of all, is um, fearful and feels like there's a conspiracy and people are following this person and has a friend who's really into the paranormal and just lives in fear and also has Parkinson's? Well, it sounds like authority has been given to the enemy, and that person's being tormented by the enemy, and I'm sure they don't even know that's what they've done, and wouldn't have done it if they'd known what they were doing and what would be the result, but nonetheless, now they're in that place. And my guess is they're probably not real open to hearing about being prayed for. Is that correct? Who, where are you? Oh, over here. Is that correct? And, um, you know, believes that, you know, God hears her, is hearing our prayers. And okay. Do you yeah. know anything about speaking to someone's spirit and ministering to their spirit? No. Okay. Um, well, obviously, we're not going to have a class on that right now. That, that would be my first suggestion is to begin ministering to their spirit. Um, the, Yeah. I know. Uh, Car Carol has a CD out there called Strengthening Your Spirit, uh, where you speak to the spirit that might help. And uh, obviously, the, 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 the person needs some really deep sozo kind of ministry. So not knowing exactly where you are, but obviously you're up here somewhere. It might not. It, there might just actually be a lot of deliverance that needs to be done, which is not so much deep sozo. Um, but where they've opened doors, if they're willing to take responsibility for that, if they're willing to say, you know, this, this, whatever this is, was wrong, God, and I ask your forgiveness and I renounce the, the attachments that that's created in my life, you know, where, you're, where you and or they are able to identify those things. That fear is a, I mean, that's a spirit. That's a demonic spirit. We have an emotion of fear, God-given, for our protection, to alert us to the reality of danger around us. The spirit, comes, the spirit of fear comes in when we don't turn to God in that situation and we become fearful. We actually engage that spirit of fear and allow it to, to gain some authority in our lives. So you mentioned fear, you mentioned some occult activity, so there, there definitely sounds like there needs to be some deliverance that goes on, and if they're open to that, and you know how to do that then, or if you don't, were you here this morning? 
No, there was a pastor's leaders thing. Okay. Well, there are churches in the area that have that kind of ministry. I don't know if you go to one or not or if you know someone who does or not, but do you know people? who? She lives in Southern California? Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Healing room might be. It, de it depends. Various ones do deliverance and others don't, so it depends. But it sounds like that's what definitely needs to happen in addition to whatever else I don't know. Um, before we get to the question, we had something about a left brain, right brain, can you evolve to one to the other? Is that basically? Um, you know, actually, Gary. Um, Gary was very much left brain, and then he had that experience, and now he's kind of like in the middle. So he's a very organized, analytical kind of person, but he, you know, goes into the heavens and things like that. So, yeah, I think you can. Um, uh, I think you can. Okay. Um, the Bible says in First John about testing the spirits, you know, that not every spirit comes from God and to test the spirits, and that by this we know the ones that come from God, that um, if they concede that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then it's from God. And I've had experiences where I've basically just asked that question and had impressions, but my question, you know, like a yes or no kind of impression, but my question for you guys is, have you guys had any kind of practical application of a situation where that scripture was ap actually applied? I've never heard a testimony where there was an application for that scripture. Just wondering if you had any revelation on that. Uh, yeah, in the uh, Smoky Mountain National Park, the Hare Krishnas were giving out Kool-Aid. And I walked up to one of them, and I started talking to him. And I looked at him, and I said, do you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that Jesus Christ came in the flesh? And he said, yes. And I said, well, say it. And he looked at me, and he said, I can say it. And I said, well, say it. And he got real quiet, and he said, I can say it. <laughs> and I said, well, say it. Say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And he looked at me, and he said, Jesus Christ is Lord Hare Krishna. And I said, that's not what I said. I said, you cannot confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he said, yes, I can. And I said, well, say it. He said, Jesus Christ is Lord Hare Krishna. And he turned and he started running, and I went after him. <laughs> and I was speaking in tongues as loud as I could, falling, uh, chasing him all the way across his parking lot. People were all around looking, what in the world? And the guy, I mean, eventually he, he outran me, basically. But he could not physically say it. And it was a real confrontation, and he realized it. Now, I don't know whatever happened to the guy after that, but, you know, that was just the one that came to mind. But, yeah. Right, it's the spirit that they're operating out of, sure, yeah. Because the spirit, yeah, yeah, because that spirit's going to come forth. The spirit can't confess that, yeah. That was a perfect example of uh, Gary moving into his right brain side. <laughs> one, one, more, one more question. Um, the uh, topic of astral projection was referenced. I have a friend who has um, 
started dabbling into some of these areas and what she said was that this is just, it's like a car. You drive in it and you can either do bad things with it or good things with it. I know I've heard of it referenced um, in the occult. Wondering what your take is on that. Is it something that can be used? It's just a vehicle that can be used for good or evil, uh, that type of subject matter? Well, you know, there's always a demonic counterpart for all the stuff that God's doing. And uh, you hear of people being transported in the spirit, uh, which is God's way of what the, the demonic calls astral projection. Um, so, um, and you know, maybe you've heard, you've probably heard a lot of different stories about that. It's the same, it's the same thing as, as well, that's all. When, uh, how many of you heard of a guy named uh, uh, David Duplessis? No, it's a different guy. I, I mean, Dwight, uh, no. I, he was known as Mr. Pentecost years ago. David Duplessis. Not, it's not the current guy. Yeah. It's a, a long, yeah. Oh, well, they, they were in Africa. There's a group of them that got word that somebody was dying. It was in a house about a mile down the road. And so they got a phone call. They said, you know, get here as quick as you can. They stepped down off the house. He, he took one step off the porch. The next step he took was on the porch a mile down the road. Prayed for the guy. God raised up the person. Fifteen minutes later, everybody else was, <laughs> you know, they got down there and they finally got there. He was instantly transported in the spirit. Um, and, uh, you know, you may have heard the story of Bob Jones and uh, John Paul Jackson. Uh, they were late, got up. There's no way they could even get to the airport. They said, well, let's go. They, they got in the car. Instantly, they were at the airport. As they pulled up, this guy met them there, and they said, go on in. I'll take care of your luggage and, and the car. It was actually a truck. And uh, so they went in against all odds. They made the flight. I mean, it was it, physically, it was impossible. Time-wise, it was totally impossible. They got on the plane. Um, John Paul looked at, uh, at Bob. And he said, uh, he, he said, who was your friend that, uh, you know, took care of our luggage in the car? He said, well, I don't know. I thought they was your friend. And <laughs> <coughs> they got there. Their luggage was there. When they came back, God spoke to Bob about where the truck was and where the key was. They walked right out, walked right to the truck. The key was right where God showed him, they, and they, they went on back. Um, you know, there's a, lot of, and, well, there's a lot of different stories like that. Um, so... It seems to me it's a matter of someone trying to make something happen or just being yielded to God when it would happen. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, so I'm not trying to say that I am at all. But it seems that, like the Bible stories that you read of transportation being transported and the stories that you hear about people where things have happened they weren't making that happen, they, and, they, and they were just amazed when it did happen, versus people who have gone on the other side and have learned how to make things happen. It just it seems to me people are tinkering where it's not real wise to do that. I don't know. Sorry. The tree was good and evil. Hmm. 
Well, I'm saying that the, the tree that they ate of was good and evil, right? And so if it's a witch, uh, a witch that's doing that or someone who's doing witchcraft, they can use it for good or evil because the tree was good and evil, I think. That's we eat of the tree of life, yeah. Yeah, I know. We need if we can do questions until three o'clock, or we can do impartation. What do you choose? <laughs> I thought so. Until four.